with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I think it's interesting how Dr. Jekyll is pretty well described visually, but Mr. Hyde is always elusive. He is actually referred to how often it's like, it's like he, it's like he's deformed, but he's not deformed. Yeah. I actually underlined that exact. I think this is exactly what you're talking about. Mr. Hyde was pale and dwarvish. He gave an impression of deformity without a nameable malformation. Yeah. He's deformed, but you can't say what. It's not like he has like a humpback or a bad leg. Or There's just something off about him. There's just him. something off about him. Partly too, like people are scared to describe him because yeah. he un- he's like the unleashed terror within everyone. Of mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't want to describe the monster that I see. But also, it's a brilliant choice to say like that's in your imagination of like whatever you think would be really yeah. scary and really but I think it's more than scary it's off it's, yes. it's that is that feeling of this is not right yeah that off of like oh mm-hmm. that's evil but I can't even like he looks like a man but he's not a man and it's mm-hmm. I think it's that feeling of unease and that off yeah I, I have that a little bit every time I look in the mirror Especially when you stick a pencil through your beard. It's be it's it's, it's have you becoming, done that consistently? It's becoming magnificent. The beard or the pencil? The, the beard. <laughs> I've been watching a show on Prime and it's a PBS show called American Craft. Mm-hmm. And it's really I think you would really enjoy it. There's a lot of woodworkers. Uh it is also formatted in such a way that if there's a craft that you don't like and just skip it. Okay. You listen to the artist little spiel. There's been a couple where I'm like, I'm not vibing with you. Yeah. Because they they do each segment. It's not you know like those shows that intermingle it and it's like there's only one that you want to see, but yeah. then like mix in with two other things you yeah. don't want to see, and you're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> the primordial scream of suffering. Yes. Coming from the dark soul. Exactly. It makes my inner hide come out mm-hmm. stop hiding i think do you think there's a name thing like with hide at least like i'm not quite sure about Jekyll. Well, they, they even say it with hide okay that he's right hiding. If, he, if he's going to be mr hide i'll be mr seek yeah uh utter and they, they both have um a y in it yeah needlessly yeah <laughs> so but it means I think... generous lord actually interesting according to this uh internet site maybe hide also is like you think, of course, of a hide, like a... Um, oh, more animalistic? Yeah. Which I think is as hide is rooted in the old English word, as in hide of land. Uh, one who lives near a hill or stream. Wow, isn't that a wonderful name? What's your name mean? I live by a hill or a stream. We don't know. <laughs> it's in the in transitional <laughs> springtime. It's kind of a stream... I mean, it's it's more of a surname, so I guess that's okay. Where it, it's more like Jason, the one who lives by the hill or the stream. We don't know because we don't really like Jason. <laughs> or in this case, isn't it Edward or is Edward Hyde? Yeah. But I think with the the animal skin idea, it kind of makes you think of um, well, just like with with Hyde in general, you think of Esau. Yeah. And like the hunter and... He's Cain's offspring. Yeah. That more animal side. And then he even pulls out that, you know, difference of Jacob and Esau. 
welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to Sally Forth. Join the dynamic duo, Edwin and Megan, as they explore topics of gravitas and pomp, brought to the brink of absurdity and thrown off, down, down, down the precipice of ridiculousness. Quack, quack. So, welcome to the podcast where we are talking. We're going to do a, a mini series. And do, 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 do. Manamana. Manamata. Manamana. Do, 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 so mini series yeah we're doing a mini series on the podcast here mm-hmm. and the theme of it is why you should never ever ever give your child a scientist experiment kit for christmas ah because science ruins everything and curiosity is wrong Killed the cat. And you should just ignore all of it and pretend that you don't exist. Because then that would make me happier. If I didn't exist? If you pretended that you didn't exist. It would be tremendously amusing. Oh. Wouldn't that be amusing if you pretended you didn't exist and then I knew you existed? Well, to truly pretend that you didn't exist, though, you couldn't pretend. Because really, people who don't exist don't pretend to not exist but then the idea of of how are you existing are you existing in the eyes of somebody else or can you not exist as a choice of you well you can exist as 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 not you anymore. but like do you take my knowing that you exist as proof of your existence or is that itself a figment of my imagination exactly so if you say that i don't exist and I still say that you exist. Well, that also is an illusion. I feel like it's a, something of mind of matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Mm, probably. But anyways, our little series is about science experiments gone wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in literature. In literature. And uh, we're doing this partly because of the spooky season. Yes. Must be the season of the witch. Must be the season of the witch. Yeah. Must be the season of the witch. We're doing this partly because I just ended up reading a strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, for other reasons. And I thought, you know, let's do double duty. I've already read this. So. <laughs> yeah. Nice here work. we are. And that's what I try to do. It's just work harder and less smart. No, wait, what? Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. So here we are. Work harder, not smarter. And I think the interesting thing with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is even if you haven't read it, everybody's read it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That everybody knows the basic idea of there's this guy, Dr. Jekyll, nice guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he Flo- makes... Philanthropist. <laughs> Philanthropist? Philanthropist. <laughs> yeah, Phil. Phil. Lan. Lan. Throw. Pissed. Pissed. Yeah. 
philanthropist. Yeah, good job. So he's one of those. And, oh, and then he makes himself um, a serum or a medicine or whatever you want to call it, magic potion. And that turns him into, transforms him into a monster. Uh, and the a little teaser for what we'll do next is someone messing with nature and humans and then making a monster. So that, mm-hmm. that idea of transforming is there too. Uh, see if they can figure out what that is. I feel like that's very obvious. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that in, even in the little write-up for this edition, it has that in there. Yeah. yeah. We should probably just say it for context. It's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> I have one question, Dr. Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. Uh, which is earlier, much earlier. This is uh, 1886? Yep. 1886, and Frankenstein is something like 1818? Something like that. We'll get to that when we get to that. No, we couldn't get to it sooner. (laughs) 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 Um, But I I think why it's worth rereading Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or if you haven't read it, read, like, as told by Stevenson, there's value in actually reading the, what is it, 50 pages in our book? Yeah. So it's a novella. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely worth rereading and and uh, thinking about and discussing. I think there's a lot to discuss. And I think that's the fun thing about novellas and short stories is they tend to be more about one idea. There's a singularity of purpose. Yes, and so I think it makes it fun to discuss with a group of of, of people that you may or may not hate, mm-hmm. and <laughs> knowing Megan, she hates us all. Oh, I do. Oh, so bitterly, I hate you. I was gonna say like, oh, call your friends over, but I'm just assuming if you're listening to us, you have no friends. That is mean and cruel. What? We can be your friends. Like, your virtual friends that we don't Uh, have to look at each other or talk to each other or be invested in each other's lives. The best kinds of friends. Exactly. You get it all here. I tell you what. It's a good time. Where (laughs) would you like to start, Megan? Um, Okay. I was going off of something about, um, I don't know what I was going off about. About how... Singularity of purpose. And how, how there's... A lot to discuss. Yes, in a, in a short little... Uh, let's maybe... Uh, I thought the style was fascinating, the style of the prose. Okay. And I think if you've just read Treasure Island, it's slightly... like you. It's the same author, clearly, mm. but I think he's much more experimental in this. Okay. And I love his his dangling descriptions like he and his use of semicolons makes my little heart go pitter patter and i i thought it, it just is, is really kooky like i i think and that's probably why we're still reading it is like it just gives us that that feeling of like oh that's just it's still weird today like i think it still like gives you that feeling that he's he's going for of like oh this murky like mystery of like and like it's also kind of like who do you trust Mm -hmm. and like can you even trust yourself the reader 
to know what's, what's going time. on. And then you're told at the end what's going on. And then I'm not convinced that that's... I don't know. I have this thing, though, with Jekyll and with Frankenstein. Okay. Where when they're talking in first person, I feel like they're covering up stuff. I don't feel like they're actually being honest. Okay. And I don't know if that's just me reading too much into it. I mean, you just know yourself and how you would play people. Oh, 100%. So you know that you would not be truthful. <laughs> but like you start with, with Utterson in this, right? The Mr. Utterson, the lawyer, was a man oh, of Oh, shoot. The name Utterson? Yeah. Utterson? Mmm, you're pulling out... But it's Utterson. <laughs> but, I mean, you can mispronounce it. <laughs> As Utterson. Like, you, you're... Utterson? Like, uh, like, utter, complete sin. Complete sin. Or, if he's uttering something, though, like, he's, like, the narrator. Mm-hmm. That, that's probably more likely. But I liked mine all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, the... the you like that? I like that. And we can uh, go Utterson. with it. I'll let yeah, you have that. I, yeah. It was totally, that's totally what he meant to have in there. <laughs> because you don't always say Utterson. comes out sin. Utterson. Utterson. Utterson, the lawyer. That's how, yeah. He also is this, his description is kind of funny in the way that a lot of it goes back and forth on it. It's just like, he was a really, really good friend. But he didn't love parties. But he's the one you wanted to invite to parties because if you had a jerk over at your party, he was a really good buffer. So even though he didn't mm-hmm. bring a lot of life, you wanted him. Which he goes on and on about how Utterson is good at a party. But then Utterson doesn't like the parties. And he only likes this one friend that he talks to when he's walking at his lunch break. Mm-hmm. And that's about the interaction that he has. And then he cares about for Jekyll, but he's also kind of like... Whatever, Jackal. They're old friends. And they're, they're old friends, but he's kind of like, I don't know what to do with you. You're weird. So yeah. like, they have long absences in their friendship where he's kind yeah. of like, yeah, Jekyll just disappeared again. That's weird. But whatever. Yeah. So I think, too, you get that kind of, I don't know, did you feel like a little bit of like that in his description, a, a duality, even in Utterson? Yeah. Well, I, a lot of his, his descriptions have that duality, like this but also this. Yeah, and so you're kind of like, wait, how can they be both things? Yeah. And that's the whole idea is, like, you're both things. Yeah. Utterson gets to kind of hold Pandora's box at one point. Like, he has the doctor's letter. Mm-hmm. The doctor who dies. Dr. Lannan? Yeah, Lanyard. Lanyon? Lanyon. Lanyard is the thing that you click your keys on. Yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of like that shaking and trembling, but he's he's the only one kind of wise of like, if you know, then you can't unknow. Yeah. Which is also why he's a lawyer, too. Like, he's not going to... Yeah, that's true. Ethics. But that's uh-huh. the thing. He's ethical. Whereas Jekyll is not. And Lanyon is up till the very end. I don't think he should have looked. Well, I, I mean, he he was warned like there's no going back. And yeah. that, and that's his downfall, right? Yeah, he, exactly. He, died. That's what I he mean. dies because of it. Yeah. I a little bit part of Do you don't you love 19th century literature yeah. where they see something and they're like, "Oh, he got the vapors and he died." Yeah, it's like the nervous shock to <laughs> the these nervous people. shock and their then he, nervous systems must not have been on afraid. par. It's yeah. probably all the heavy metals that they were ingesting. Yeah, and wearing on their hats and yeah. so on. Yeah, it's probably more what that was. 
But, because again, like the when Hyde commits the murder, the maid who saw it was so from a distance, she's so overwrought by it, she collapses for an hour. Yeah. And then calls the police. It it just in our day and age it just seems a little bit silly. Yeah. I I don't know. But the I I and I, I always struggle with this genre of literature. This is particular novella is actually one of my favorites of that time period. Right. Even though it does have the people just collapsing from the vapors. <laughs> yeah. Like get a grip, would you please? Yeah. Uh, but why do you? What do you think that does though? Like, why do you think? He has, instead of, because Lanyon sees Jekyll transform, no, he sees Hyde transform, transform into Jekyll. Yeah. Why not have Jekyll murder him or Hyde murder him, like, at a later point? Or why mm. not have, you know, sent a poison to him? Or, like, why not have, like, an act of murder, but that he is killed by the knowledge of what Jekyll has done? Hmm. I think there is that. What I, th- what part of it is just like, the horror of it, like the scene, the the duality of of man. Clearly represented like that, I think is is, and I think what the whole the whole thing that's supposed to be so unnerving about Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, is that everyone has, the Mister Hyde in them, right? Yeah. That that's that's the warning of the story. That's really the whole. That, that's why it's still a compelling story to this day yeah, is it's relevant today because we still ha- feel that duality yeah i think the idea of also he's he never thought this was possible like mm-hmm. it was just he theory just, yeah and i think that you're you're dealing with a whole age so you have victorian england you have more and more of industry coming you have much more um science very influ- like the the age of enlightenment which mm-hmm. we've talked about here before uh, and so you have all of these ideas floating around, and then all of a sudden, <gasps> it's not just talk anymore. Yeah. There's somebody actually who actually did it. Oh, what are the repercussions? We didn't think this through. Our yeah. thoughts are dangerous. Yeah, and our technologies are dangerous. Yes. And I, we we face the same thing today. We still think we still worry about whether AI is going to take mm-hmm. all our jobs. Yep. What happens if you do live in a world where all of a sudden humans can't compete with with computers and they have no no ability to to do anything worthwhile? And that's that's very much the same idea in in uh, Frankenstein and in, in Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yeah. That what do we do with these technological advancements? Yeah. And with Hyde, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. It's more what what do we do with science and like probing deeply into science? How are we endangering the soul? Let's talk about I think the meat of it actually what I find the most interesting is always asking why. Okay. And so why does Jekyll create Hyde? And that's an explanation that comes at the end. Which, again, I'm not 100% sure if he memes it fully or if he's putting a nice spin on it. So what Jekyll tells us is why he wanted to do this experiment was, even as a wee lad, 
he he felt the struggle within right the the struggle of there is you know an angel inside me and the devil inside me you look like an angel Walk like an angel, talk like an angel, but I got wise. You're the devil in disguise, or yes you are, devil in disguise. I didn't know what to do with either. And what does that make me, really? If Because, like, you, you are compartmentalizing these things of, like, oh, that was an angelic thing. Oh, that was a devilish thing. Like, what am I then? Yeah. Uh, and so he wanted to make a serum. I don't know if that's the right term. I'm that's gonna, what they said. in the That's book. what they say in the book? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I keep saying it for some reason. So he and makes this serum. Serum always makes me think of syrup. <laughs> okay. We can call it the syrup. Maple now. syrup. And so he says he wants to make this thing so that he can separate one and what and and separate the strongest one so that he can kind of see what it actually is and like what part of it of of him is it and like how does it relate to his body and what he's kind of hoping as far as I understand is he's hoping that the angel is the strongest part so that he doesn't have to live with this duality that he can say like oh here I am, an angel. I am the goodness. Yeah. And so he's hoping that this serum brings out the strongest part. And he's hoping in him that the strongest part is the angel. Yeah, he he's thinking he can perfect himself. Yes, it's that idea of... Uh, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, is that it's, it's not God who perfects, it's me. Yeah. I can perfect myself. If I, if I make the right potion, yeah. I can be perfect. Yeah really like that uh but what what does he get uh instead he used to become mr hyde which <laughs> is the the devil you're the devil in disguise in human form all of a sudden it, it's his it's the devil personified as as he would be yeah uh, he, he's 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 jekyll's own little demon what i find so fascinating about hyde is that he has uh, no morality. Like, there's no consciousness, right? Like, he, mm -hmm. he clubs somebody. He's not going to wake up the next morning and feel bad about it. Uh, and he's he's just doing it on, on impulse. That he wants to do it, therefore he does it. Whereas, I think Jekyll was trying to pull out a much higher consciousness, a higher being that would would be like oh no highly and I, maybe like that higher rational of like oh we don't do that May, do you think it's like more he was looking for a more rational being or i think he was looking for the 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 heaven on earth but i think also he he was at the same time really curious about the evil side of him too and that's where I think he's lying a little bit because yeah. he's like, oh, and I abhorred it, I abhorred it. I'm like, no. I abhorred it, it, I abhorred it, and yet every single night I drank the serum to turn me into Hyde. I liked it. I think mm -hmm. he liked it, and I think he liked the freedom of not having a conscience about what he had done. Jekyll did, mm -hmm. but Hyde didn't. Uh, now, uh, of course, eventually the serum takes hold of him mm -hmm. so that he starts transforming whether he drinks it or not. And he's having a harder and harder time turning himself back. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think, though, this is a little bit of Stevenson saying uh, with the Enlightenment and with more more of the ideas like with the with the what was it the Puritans and the the Presbyterians that like you kind of like suppress all your feelings like you kind of like knock everything down and you just like try to act like and I like that's mm. a whole like Victorian idea too it's like you just have all these social rules yeah and you just like don't know anybody and you don't talk about anything without like the social rules of like oh this is acceptable do you think he's kind of saying like well Stevenson is kind of saying like well there is irrational there is just evil there is this mess of life yeah and that I, inside it like there is that duality uh, of man you can't just like keep pretending there's only one side of you and never deal with the other yeah well I, it's it's an interesting story but it I think what the story is trying to bring it out is that you have to realize the evil inside your own soul. Yeah. In order to actually truly be good. Yeah. Right? And that's what everybody's faced with a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because Jekyll really did think of himself as good. Like, nine-tenths yes. good. Right? Whereas I think he's the evil one. Well, yeah. No, let's get into that. Because I have always thought... If Hyde does not have any consciousness, meaning like he does not know right from wrong, he just does what he wants to do because he wants to do it, right? And he'll do anything to avoid consequences, but he doesn't care, right? Because he beats that little girl Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, I'll just give you money, right? I don't care. I'll just, I'll, and then he goes, he doesn't even actively beat the child. He just walks over her. Yeah. She's just an impediment. Yeah, to his, his, his will. His, like, it's just yeah. like, I just, I'm going to go this way and I want yeah. to. You know, and then he beats that one guy, right? He, he kills, the, he kills L- the MP. Yeah, and he's like, well, why? There wasn't any reason. No, there's, there is just the, the savagery of, of wanting to do it. So. And being able to do it. Just, I mean, yeah, just, just, I can. Yeah. And see, that's the thing, though, too. Jekyll does but, everything kind of just because he can't. And yeah, right. He he can create Mister Hyde, but and I he kind of keeps doing it just because he can. I think Jekyll did it because he was like, well, either way, if I turn into an angel or a devil, I'll be happier than this. Mm. Right, yeah, because but... he was happy. He was happiest when he was doing the bad things in his childhood, but he didn't like the guilt afterwards. Yes, so he's like, what if I can do this without the guilt? Afterwards, yeah. And now he still the has thing, guilt. That's the thing because he switches back to being Jekyll, and you can't change who you are fundamentally. Yes, but I do think that the 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 deaths and the the brutality of Hyde, the onus is on Jekyll. Oh yeah, because Jekyll is the one who initially drinks the serum, and it's because they're they're the same person. Yeah, and that's the, that's the really fun mind bend about this book, is that yeah. we talk about them separately. But ultimately, when you're like, okay, who's the blame, and who are they? It's the same same person. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's the genius of of what Stevenson did in this story, is that he does separate it so that we can talk about it in separate ideas, separate characters, and yet fully realize that they're the same person. Mm -hmm. And that when 
Jekyll slash Hyde dies, he dies as Hyde. Yeah. So because, is, that because, his, is that his true nature then? Yeah, well, it's revealing the, the choices that Jekyll made, and that, okay. that's that's why he can't go back to Jekyll. He yeah. becomes naturally Mr. Hyde. And I, I love the paragraph where he where that happens, where he reverts, because after he kills the, the MP, he, after he kills him, he shuts Hyde away, basically. Like, he, he, he swears off Hyde. He's so ashamed of what happened. Mm-hmm. Right? And he, and he does basically his penance, right? Yeah. He does all his good acts again, and he renews his friendships and so on. Yeah. But then, this is the top of 51, this yeah. paragraph here. There comes an end to all things. The most capacious measure is filled at last. And this brief condescension to my evil finally destroyed the balance of my soul. And yet, I was not alarmed. The fall seemed natural, like a return to the old days before I had made my discovery. It was a fine, clear January day, wet underfoot, where the frost had melted, but cloudless overhead. And the Regent's Park was full of winter's chirpings and sweet with spring odors. I sat in the sun on a bench, the animal within me licking the chops of memory, the spiritual side a little drowsed, promising subsequent penitence, but not yet moved to begin. After all, I reflected, I was like my neighbors, and then I smiled, comparing my act of goodwill with the lazy cruelty of their neglect. And at that very moment of that vainglorious thought, a qualm came over me, a horrid nausea and most deadly shuddering. These passed away and left me faint. And then, as in its turn the faintness subsided, I began to be aware of a change in the temper of my thoughts, a greater boldness, a contempt for danger, a solution of the bonds of obligation, I looked down, my clothes hung formlessly on my shrunken limbs. The hand that lay on my knee was corded and hairy. I was once more Edward Hyde. A moment before, I had been safe of all men's respect, wealthy, beloved, the cloth lying for me in the dining room at home. And now I was the common quarry of mankind, hunted, houseless, a known murderer, Thrall to the gallows. So good. Such a good paragraph. Such a good paragraph. And like you said, like like we said at the beginning, he, through the whole novella, is, is throwing these competing thoughts at you. Mm-hmm. He's, he's sitting in the sun. He's warm. Mm-hmm. And then he's animalistically licking his, his chops. Mm-hmm. And we're like, wait, what? So, like, he's throwing all these competing thoughts images to create one image where like whoa it's so complicated mm-hmm. and yet so realistic yes and I, I just love that uh, he's the spiritual side is a little drowsy and yes he, and the good side of him is promising penitence later on yeah but not not moved yet yeah just just fine to let the the monster within And then what turns him ultimately into Hyde, after all this time when he's been when he's been penitent, what is his downfall? It's it's him 
thinking he's better than his neighbors. Yeah. His goodwill was better than their neglect. Mm -hmm. He was self-righteous. And the self-righteousness is what brings him down. Yeah. Because he did not learn his lesson that inside of all men is Mr. Hyde. Mm Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And he of all men should know that the most. Right. Do you think there's this... I I, I think there's kind of like this idea too in it, uh, just like with how London is described and kind of how you don't know what's lurking within everyone. Like, yeah. I think, I think again, like what you're saying, like everyone's hiding a hide. Yes. And you, you don't know. Do you think that idea of not knowing does come from the background, uh, the milieu where he lived of that, um, the repressive age, the repressive age. And also that, uh, the Presbyterian predestination, predestination. Do you think the idea of predestination comes into play in the story at all? That you're kind of walking around and you don't know about anyone and you, you don't don't know about, you don't even know about yourself. Do you do you think that idea of like he's kind of looking around at his like you kind of end up looking at people differently I think if you have that idea of like oh maybe maybe not yeah I, yeah that you, that's touched on a little bit but then again it's still the actions of Hyde that very clearly mark him out yeah. as as the spawn of hell yeah hell, well I mean there's def- yeah and like there's there's so much like we just like just mentioned now like the spiritual side a little drowsed and there's all of this all the all these biblical religious references like mm-hmm. in the language too hide is is called the child of hell that nothing mm-hmm. hu- human nothing lived in him but fear and hatred it's also an interesting piece historically because this is actually written before freud became a big thing okay that also shows that these were things that people were thinking about and talking about. Yes. Before. Uh, it's really easy in history to say, like, oh, this person came up with this idea. It's like, well, they were he ahead did. Of, they were ahead of their time. I was like, no, almost everybody is of their age. Yeah. Like Leonardo, you can't say that he was ahead of his time. He was very much a man of his time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the fact that he was just interested in everything and... and yeah. These sketchbooks that went over all different kinds of things. Yeah. And the fact that he couldn't like truly sit down and just be good at one thing. <laughs> There's hope for me yet. Yeah. Although he, I feel like he started way younger than me. I don't know. I mean, and naturally more talented too. Way more talented. So let's get back. What were we talking? We were talking about Freud. We threw that in. Whatever. Blah blah blah. Nobody cares. So this is kind of one like, and I wrote it as a trick question for the the book study I was I was leading and I think we kind of touched on it but like something to like how would you answer it is what what are the essential differences between Henry Jekyll and Edward Hyde is Jekyll purely good and Hyde purely evil do they share traits what okay I have my my take on that but you you go ahead the essential difference yeah is that Hyde doesn't have a conscience yeah Hyde is animalistic in a way. Mm-hmm. So it, it, so there, there was... I forget which... I don't know exactly where it is. But what Jekyll says 
whenever he was Jekyll, he was missing Hyde. Yeah. Whereas when he was Hyde, he never even realized Jekyll existed. Yeah. So I I think it's a bit of a trick question because I don't think Jekyll has any good. You Bes- don't think he has any good? Well, maybe quality? not any good, but well, I think it's all counterfeit. Like when he counterfeit? <laughs> I've received the light of such counterfeit. <laughs> maybe she does, but counterfeit faith, like enough. Oh, God, counterfeit. There was never counterfeit of passion came so near the life of passion as she discovers it. I would have doubted it but for the gray-bearded fellow. A lot of times it gets misconstrued as Jekyll's good and Hyde is evil. Yeah, no. And I don't, I think it's much more complicated than that. Well, Jekyll is someone who brings about Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Jekyll has moral responsibility than Hyde does. Really? Mm-hmm. Because Hyde just does what he does because... But whereas Jekyll, yeah. ha- Jekyll had, at one point, the ability to not be Hyde. And I think we'll talk about this more with Frankenstein. What is the responsibility of the scientist? Mm-hmm. Which I think doctor and like yeah, it's a medical doctor, but like they were more like I don't know, scientists, philosophers, mm-hmm. like all of this. And he's doing experimentation. And doing so yeah, so it's not like just like oh making house calls. Oh, Sally has the flu. That's that's an interesting warning here or or idea here of like okay, great, you can figure out how to do it, but then what? Mm-hmm. If, if they didn't do the then what? Now, I'm a chronic then whater. What what do you mean? Well, when making decisions, I'm like, if I do this, well, then what? Oh, well, this would probably happen. Mm. Then what? Then I would probably if do this. Give a Megan a story. Yeah. Then she'll break a podcast. It's like making, like, I don't know. It's if kind she of makes like... a podcast, she'll become way yeah. too famous. <laughs> if she becomes way too famous, she'll take over the world mm. and have us all her slaves and peons. So that's, that's a route I would take yeah 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 that's a then what yeah no i don't know you you don't ask yourself that when you're it's it's basically like the decision of anything but like i know the ones that i really struggled with and like like what are the consequences gonna be well i know i had it for myself like whether deciding to go to college or university whatever you want to call it higher education higher education i for the life of me could not pick a major and for a lot of people that doesn't matter so much but to me i i kept playing the then what game Mm. i was like okay so if i go for this then what and i didn't like the the then what's yeah uh you know looking at like okay if i go into liberal arts english you know i get my degree in english or whatever then what well i would probably end up teaching more than likely. More than likely, I would end up teaching. Do I like that idea of teaching in a classroom of, like, 20 kids, high school, whatever? No, I don't. Who can blame you? I know. And, well, the thing is, is I also set myself up for opportunities of teaching. And then I was like, no, this is not not for me so much. I don't know. This I don't is kind think of, so. Kind of I don't off think... topic. I don't, do you think it's, like, you can get too caught up into the then what's? 
the ability to have forethought is very important to be able to project yourself into the future and consider what could happen mm-hmm. and what is most pos- most probable to happen. Very important human behavior, right? Yeah. We don't want to touch hot things because we get burned. Like you don't, you don't like build a fire and then touch it, right? Right. You see the consequences to your action. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman. You better think. However, it can become where you do not have any ability to move in any direction. You can't mm-hmm. move forward because you're too paralyzed thinking about all the what ifs. Yeah, and but I think it's different than a what if. I think a then what is different than a what if. Well, they're very similar though. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying like it can be crippling. And as long as it's not crippling, it's fine. Yeah. But at a certain point, you guys just say, well, I just got to move and I got to make my decisions and live with them. Obviously, after calculating the risk as yeah. best you can. Yeah. I but I, I feel like he didn't play the then what game at all, though, when he's like, well, I think... Jekyll didn't. Jekyll didn't. I think he, he said, like, well, well I think it's going to be the angel. He, he did self-delusion, though. He's He was self-delusional. He thought his motives were good. Yeah. And he thought that because he thought his motives were good, that everything would turn out fine for him. He knew that the serum was going to isolate whatever was strongest. Mm. That's not what it says. It actually oh, isolates it? what's weakest. Oh, does it isolate what's that's, weakest? That's his argument. Now, here's the thing. That okay. It could, not be, it could be like you're saying, that it actually isolates what's strongest. He just didn't realize that he was the devil. He right. thought he, he thought it was an angel of light, but he was really an angel of darkness, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's where like his whole reveal, though. Too, I feel like it is. It, it gives us a lot of information, but then it's also kind of like, hmm. was that good information? You think he was just so convinced that he's he didn't play at all? That okay, if I take this and then I turn into a devil, then what? Then what do I do? Because I feel like if you were actual scientists doing an actual science experiment, you would have people involved that would be like, oh, if, if this goes horribly wrong, we're going to lock you in a cage. But remember, one of the few people he revealed to what kind of what he was working on was the Dr. Lannan. Yeah. And basically, he would have nothing to do with him because he was playing with fire. He was shunned by the scientific community. Whoa. With good reason. Lanyon's kind of like, uh, bad idea, let's work on a better idea. Yeah. But Jekyll's like, no, I want to do this. Yeah. So I guess that's true. He could have he could have had help. But maybe he should have taken the warnings more seriously. But I, I like Lanyon's also kind of, I don't know, comes across as not, don't look out your window, keep your head down. He seems too sheltered. Like he seems like I think I don't think shelter's the right word, but he seems like to to be like, oh, just keep going with the norms of science. Like that's a bad experiment. Don't you shouldn't talk about such things. You shouldn't. Yeah, you're saying you think he's weak. Yeah. But he doesn't engage Jekyll at all. But he's just right away like, oh. So you're saying that maybe actually some of it is Lannon's fault because he, if he had been morally strong enough to actually entertain the question, he could have directed it in a better direction. 
perhaps, or at least he would have known what Jekyll was doing. So when there was all these random evil happenings, he could have been like, yep, I know. I know who did this. Well, I mean... I just feel like there's no safety precautions whatsoever. Where's the double-blind taste test? <laughs> really, it's now time to say why... Well, what further impact has this story had upon culture at large? Well, I think it's very... Like, anytime there's that duality, uh, or, you, or you're just going f- flipping, flopping back and forth, you can say, oh, that's a Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, um, it's ubiquitous. It's amazing, actually, for it to be such an old story. Mm-hmm. I don't, it feels weird to me to say such an old story. It's not that old. Older story. Yeah. And it's still quite part of our... Um, it's part of our lexicon. Yeah. It's used in rock songs. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's used it's everywhere. It's used in movies, comic book movies, oh, yeah. stories, right? Yep. Hulk could be seen as a... He's a type of... He's doc- a type of, yeah. obviously, it's, it's changed, but... And, I mean, anytime you have a, a metamorphosis, like a... Mm-hmm. Not the right word, like, you, you change back and forth. It's cool, like... Oh, it's compelling, you, you right? Give, it's compelling, and it gives you so many opportunities to do different stuff. But I, I like the idea of, like, Hyde, like, you get to go off and do whatever you want. But I guess you don't really get to do whatever you want. It's just Hyde does what he wants. It's not like well, Jekyll plans, like, oh, my grand day out is Hyde. No, he doesn't, but he always enjoys it, and he's the one who remembers it. Yeah. Because the consciousness of, of Jekyll yeah. is is the continuum between the two, the two faces. There's that, but obviously it's not pre-planned exactly what they're going to do. Mm-mm. He just likes the, the quickening of his step and the, mm-hmm. the boldness of character, right? Yeah. He's not... Because when he's Hyde, he can do whatever he wants without any repercussions. Yeah. Until, you know, he murders somebody. But even then, he does get away with it because mm-hmm. Hyde disappears without a trace. What did you think about how the, the story uses different voices uh, and different characters to, to reveal what actually is happening? Do you think that is to confuse or to clarify? Well, again, I think it's to, it's to your point that you don't always know exactly who to trust. Mm. And partly... That's the thing, too, about Hyde is all these different people describe him. And they're all very much agreed on that he's evil. Mm-hmm. Like, he gives he gives off the aura of evilness. Yeah. But they're never the same description. Yeah, and it's not that they're being faulty. Like, it's not like a, a, a narrator where they're lying to you, necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a narrator where he's kind of playing with what certain people are willing to say mm-hmm. and like, what are they not willing to say? And like, and that's the fun part with the, the part where Jekyll's letter is like, he has parts of like, I'm going to say this. Oh no, no, no. I'm not actually going to say it. And he's like, Oh, I better, sh- I better say this. And then like, you know, he keeps calling Hyde and he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to call, you know, him, me, him, me and him. May I, I us. Yeah. Like, he can't, he's like, he wants to separate it, but he can't separate yeah. So that's really well done. And then, yeah, so I, and like you have Utterson and then you have Lanyon and all of them are trying to like see, they see it from their perspective. Yeah. And I think that that adds an interesting layer to mm-hmm. the story. So what did you think upon rereading it? Like, did you remember it being this way? Did it feel different than? 
I was amazed how much of it I remembered. Definitely mm. remembered the plot points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just enthralled with the beauty of the prose and just Same. how how good it was. That really struck me too because I thought I remembered it being quite simple, whereas actually this is very complex. Yeah, it's just it's just very well written and it, mm-hmm. it's just a delight to read. Yeah, and the word choice is just just fun and that that's what I thought I thought it was very refreshing. I th- mm-hmm. I thought it was. In a way, the prose had almost that aura of Faulkner. Mm. Like, easy to read, but looks like it's hard to read. Yeah, and I think, too, like, his, his um, was it partly, like, his sentence lengths? Like, like the he way the, he, he varied. He varies, Yeah, he and... varies his sentences. Uh, and that, yeah, adds such a musicality to it and just, like, but... Like, I love how his sentences, like, also have, like, these jarring moments in them. Yeah. Like, what you read is, like, you know, they go on and it's, and then they're, like, wait, that, those two things didn't fit together. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm having that with, like, reading the, the Odyssey, the Iliad, too, but, like, sometimes there's these similes that don't line up. They're, like, wait, what? These reverse similes. And you're, like, that's yeah. not how that's supposed to work. Yeah. But it pull, pulls attention to itself, yes. right? Because then you're, like, oh, now I know what that actually means because you're using reversals. Yes. So, no, I, I really enjoyed just the language of it, the vocabulary Much more it. than I remember. Yeah. Yeah, originally reading this years ago. So, ought people to read The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? I, I don't see why you wouldn't. It's short, it's fun, it's been massively influential, beautiful language. It, really, the, the only people who would be deciding not to read it are the people who are so conceited as to think that they don't have a Mr. Hyde inside them. Ah, indeed. Verily so. Yay, verily, yay, now that the flower with true nobility, yay. Oh, oh, I have an idea. We should talk about the gift bundles. Because, because we are Because they're hiding not... something inside of them. Ah. I was going to say, because we are not conceited. We just know that they're good. No, it wasn't that. I was trying to think, like, what's something we've hidden inside. Ah. You know, because you have the facade, right? You have, like, the, you know, yeah, the, the clean, hide. the clean wrapping. Yeah. And then on the inside, you're like, whoa, what is that? I don't even know. What child of hell is this? Yeah. And you just unleash, just like Pandora's box. Yeah, I I would say that if I had a hammer. A hammer? If I had a hammer, I'd a hammer in the morning, I'd a hammer in the evening, all over this land. I would use it to gently open one of the bundles. Yes. <laughs> no. Okay, so the bindles are kind of fun bindles bundles okay so right? so we call them bindles because that's the term that the hobos would have used so tell the, us more about the hobos maybe. The hobos i don't know i have a thing about hobos i think it's so fascinating that they they created their own society uh in this in this time of social and economic turmoil uh, when there was a, a decline in society they they built their own and so are you saying you're seeing a a time when there could be the new hobo the hobo revival <laughs> i'm just i'm just 
I, I would be content with hobo chic. Hobo chic. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm just trying to bring that into being. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but the idea, like, I was inspired by how they had nothing, but it was very common to have uh, a pocket handkerchief, you know, and that's what you would carry your, your belonging, your very few belongings. And it was more of an idea that you, they would collect things so that you would have like your food and maybe like, if you're lucky, like a bar of soap or something like mm-hmm. that. But as you went along your travels, you would find beautiful stones or like a nice family would give you uh, a harmonica or you would find it in the trash heap. And like you would look at your surroundings differently, that mm-hmm. you would look at what was around you already and say, where's the beauty in this? And so that they would put that and they would carry that with them. And, and so I thought, okay, that's really fits into what we're trying to do here at Ducks Never Waver is that looking all around you and seeing like, where's the beauty in this? Where, where's the beauty in this space and how can I, uh, enjoy it and how can I add to it? And in this case, take it with you and take it with you would add value to your life. So they would take feathers and, and like I said, like shells and, and any sorts of things. And, and so what I came up with was the bandana wrapping and then, uh, a notebook. Again, that's something very common. You write, write your ideas, your thoughts, a lot of time alone. Yeah. Uh, whatever you need to write down, you just need to have a, a notebook around. And then I have a game in there that would have been very popular some, some way again to spend the time. And so we have Mm. in there the tic-tac-toe bags. Uh, and they're filled with buttons and beads. Again, it feels very much like homespun, like what you would yeah. have gathered. And you can, like, those are big enough that you can put things inside of your bindle. Like, it's yeah. like a smaller compartment to your bindle. Yeah. So you like a deck of cards or whatever you could add to that. And then there's this, uh, there's a surprise. I thought, like, okay, let's get something kind of vintage. Let's get an antique. And so I've chosen some antiques and they, they value around $10. And they're Ret- all different. They're all different. Each, each bundle is going to have something different inside of it. And th- I think they're all really nice things. Obviously I picked them. So yes, <laughs> I think I would be happy getting all of them. And so it's just one of those things like you're not going to know what you're going to get. Right. And I think, well, they, you know what you're going to get, but you don't fully know, know what you're going to get. So I'm like, there's surprise, but it's a safe surprise. Safe surprise. So that's, that's what's in mine. And then of course you get like your pencil and your bandana on the outside and then you wrap it up and you go on your merry way, go on your adventures. Fantastic. Yeah. So hopefully uh, you guys check those out. And they make great gifts. They do. That is, that is kind of the intention. And maybe they make even better gifts to people you want to send packing. Ooh, like a little subliminal messaging there. Yeah, I was like, on your way, hobo. On your way, you hobo. <laughs> so sad. That's maybe uh, us two hobos should be on. Maybe, our way. maybe we should be leaving this this recording session. Yes. Is that is that what it is? is I that, think is we that we we, we like the uh, the the little tramp, you know. Walk off arm in arm in the in the sunset you know, with our feet stuck sideways. I love that. Yeah. I love that for us. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Stay quacky. Quack quack. <laughs>